Hi listeners, welcome back to Motivate, the Motivation and Inspiration Podcast. I'm your host, Dahi D, and today's guest is David Goggins reminding you you need to be a savage. Don't hang around mediocre people and accept mediocrity. Don't hang around people that let you wake up late and let you eat whatever you want. Hang around the people that are going to push you to the limit and don't accept what your life is for what it could be. That's it for me today. Thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Mediocrity feels so good. So we love surrounding ourselves with mediocre people. They give us a get out jail free card. Whenever life gets hard for us, they tell us it's okay. Don't worry about it. We don't want to surround ourselves with those people out there who are getting the asses every day, holding us accountable making us feel uncomfortable. People who are challenging us at every turn of life. Those people scare us. That's exactly where you need to be in your life with those people who put you in a world of questioning who you are. That's exactly where you want to go. That's exactly where you grow. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I saw working out as a way for me to build calluses on my mind. I had to callous over the victim's mentality. So I watched these movies. I, you know, I talked about Rocky last time I was on here. I always equated training to mental toughening. Like it always looked brutal. People waking up early and doing all these things. And it, looked, it looked horrible. I was like, wow, man, I got to start doing that. Not to get better, bigger and stronger. But that is what's going to build me. That looks uncomfortable. That looks brutal. And getting up early, I don't want to do that. So I made this long list of things I don't want to do. And through that, I found myself. I started, get, like, I'm like, you guys aren't doing this in high school. You guys aren't getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning, running over here in this golf course. So I started seeing myself very differently than the average human being. I was like, hang on a second. I have something they don't have. And that's when I started to develop these things through working out. It was this great, never-ending work ethic. And through work ethic, I developed self-esteem. Now, is this something that you learn? Is this something you learn yourself from, from exercise yourself? Or is this something you had read or heard about? Like, what made you equate this doing this and doing these difficult things physically to mental toughness, to being this is the discipline that you need in order to get your life out of the situation you're in? So I never read anything. You know, I, I could barely read, you know. So right. I wasn't reading back then. I just saw, I watched a lot of movies. And I was really big into visualization. And um, I always equated working out to struggle. And I struggled my whole life, but I ran from it. So I started realizing, man, I got to start facing the struggle and I got to be mentally strong for the struggle. So that's why I started coming up with like, I, I'm training for life. Mentally, I'm training for life. I'm not training for like to, to lift 400 pounds. And I found out on my own pretty much is that through this, through, through discipline, through self-discipline, through repetition, through tons of repetition of the same thing that you don't want to do, and that's, the, and that's the key thing, through repetition of things you don't want to do, 
you develop mental, like, uh, like an armor for your mind. You start to armor your mind. Cause your mind's like, okay, we suffer. We suffer every day. It's what we do. We do stuff that sucks every day. So then when the suck stuff comes, you're ready for it. And that's how I started coming up. You know, I just started being very uncomfortable. And now I'm, it's like a, just a way of life. It's a crazy thing to figure out, though. It's like that you figured it out, and you didn't just figure it out. You embraced it. Like when you were talking about your senior year of high school, when you're talking about your your mirror being your accountability mirror, like you had a radical shift. Mm -hmm. Like you just decided to not be a f loser right. and to start tightening up and start holding yourself accountable and, and get ready for things. So I had this my whole life. I mean, I don't know if people believe in God or what. I don't care what you believe in. There's been this unrelenting voice in my head. We all have this voice. It's the right or wrong voice. And a lot of times that voice guides us into comfort. And my voice guided me into comfort a lot. But I had this other voice I heard my whole life saying, hey, mother, what are you doing? No, nah, man, we got to go over here. We got to go over here to, to that rock pile over in the corner where nobody's at. That's, that's where victory's at. We're over there in that corner. So this voice was giving me all these answers. Now, I wasn't a real smart kid growing up, but I had this crazy voice in my head saying, over there is where the answers are. And I wouldn't listen to it because over there was pain. Over there was me looking in the mirror. Over there was me being accountable for all these things that went through my life. Even though people put them on me, it's now mine to own. And I didn't want to go over there by myself, but I had to. And this voice was guiding me there. It's God, whatever you want to call it. How'd you become that guy? You know what? I, I grew up not that guy. Yeah. So a lot of people put a title on me. They want to, uh, they see me now. They see me now as the guy that with his shirt off, who can do 4,030 pull-ups in 17 hours, who can run 205 miles in 39 hours, who can do all this crazy shit. But what they don't understand is they don't understand the journey that it took me to get to this point. And what got me to this point was I was just the opposite of what I am today. I was that guy who ran away from absolutely everything that I got in front of me. But not many people knew that. I had two people. I had the, I had the, like the real me was like this very scared, insecure, stuttering, got beat up by his dad, all this kind of stuff. And then I, I built this fake person that walked around like my didn't stink, you know? <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah, so that was, that's kind of how I did it. And I, through the process of time, I realized that I was lying to myself and lying to people. But that, it's a, a fascinating journey, though, because you are that guy now. Right. I mean, you genuinely are a legit badass. Right. And at one point in time, you were a, a legit terrified person. Yes. So what was the process? Like, how did, how did you step <clears throat> forth? Well, it's a, it's, it's a long process. Right. In my mind, I, I was always afraid. My whole life I was afraid, but I had this voice, this, this conscience that would always be battling me saying, hey, you got to get up and do something. I didn't want to do shit. You know, I was just afraid, but I would, that, that voice would force me to get up. So when I went to school, I was all kind of, you know, my, my learning disability. I had social anxiety. I was just a jacked up kid. When I was about eight years old, we moved to a small town in Brazil, Indiana. And that's when the real war started for me. And Brazilian is a small town, great people, a lot of great people. And I say that because a lot of people get offended. And, and I'm, I'm gonna get to the point why they get offended. There was about maybe 10 black families at about 10,000 people in the town. And in 1995, the KKK marched in the 4th of July parade. So this was a, not everybody was racist, 
there's a lot of good people. Some of the best people I knew was there, but there was also a lot of racism there. So me being one of the few black kids in that, you know, in that area, you know, it, it kind of haunts you. I had stuff on my notebook, you know, we're going to kill you on my Spanish notebook. They had that on my car. This is early 90s. And um, so even though I showed it didn't hurt me, it was jacking me up. So all the insecurities I had when I was a kid with my father, I've moved into this area here and it just got worse and worse and worse. And it haunted me. And that voice that I talked about, it kept talking louder and louder and louder. But I was doing nothing about it. And I decided to make moves. So who do I use as a standard to measure myself by? It's, it's really everyone and no one. Because or there's people in the world that have skills and strength and talent that I will never have. I won't. I mean, some of these notions that you can be whatever you want to be as, as long as you want it bad enough, those are not true. They're fairy tales. We all have limitations. And I don't have the right genes to be an Olympic weightlifting champion. I don't have the right genetics to be an Olympic champion sprinter. Or a gymnast. Or whatever sport you want to name. Now, sure, if I trained my whole life, perhaps I could have achieved some high level in those sports, but I can tell you I do not have the DNA to be the best in the world in those categories. So, what does that mean? Does that mean that I give up? Does that mean that I quit? Of course not. Not at all. It means that I'm going to try to be the best that I can be. The strongest, the fastest, the smartest. The smartest human that I can become. That's what I'm going to go for. And I will. I will compare myself to others and, and look at them and see what they're doing. And I'll say that. It is possible. How close can I get to that greatness? How close can I get to that glory? But the reality is that my glory, it doesn't happen in front of a crowd. It doesn't happen in a stadium. It doesn't happen on a stage. There's no medals handed out. My glory happens in the darkness of the early morning, in solitude, alone, where I try, and I try, and I try again to be everything that I possibly can be, the best that I possibly can be, better than I was yesterday and better than other people thought I could be. 
faster and stronger and smarter and with one victory that no one can ever take away from me. A victory that is earned every single day. A victory of determination and will and discipline. And a victory that is achieved because I will not stop. And I'm a natural born fat guy. Even though I was born 175, I gained 125 pounds. I was lazy. That's who I am. I'm a guy that likes to sit back, watch TV, and eat pizza. Like everybody. Like everybody. Like everybody. So I want to I tell you right that's now. That's the mama voice. That's the mama voice. Here, put your feet up. I'm giving you some cookies that's and right. milk. Take it easy. Right? That's right. And for a guy that never had that, like me, I love my mom, but she was working. All I crave is that mama voice. Please love David. Love David. That voice got me to 297 pounds. Matter she used fact, to cook for you, too. She used to cook for me. Matter of <laughs> fact, in the book, I talk about yeah. it. When, when I got in the military and I started gaining this weight a lot, um, my standard breakfast was eight cinnamon rolls, you know, like basically, um, I think six to eight scrambled eggs, you know, half a pound of bacon, fruity pebbles, lucky charms, whatever it may be. That was my standard breakfast. So that was your way of getting away from the pain in that's your right. brain. That was your vice. That was my vice. Now for some people it's alcohol or drugs or that's sex right. or shopping. For you it was food. It was food and also being comfortable. Whatever I wanted, I did. And that's where I started seeing myself get further and further away from my true self. And your true self is found, honestly, in that very uncomfortable zone. So, but they, you couldn't take it anymore. You had an epiphany where right. you just said, I don't want to be this guy anymore. Do you ever think that if it hadn't been that morning and that Navy SEAL thing had to have been on the Discovery Channel when you got home from work, that that might have not flipped the switch and you'd be out there 350 pound David Goggins right now? The thing about it was, it wasn't like it was an epiphany. I had this haunting voice in the back of my head. We, a lot of us have it. Yeah. We just ignore it. And it was there for years. So I knew in the back of my mind that I could pull off this whatever. Whatever I wanted, I knew I could. You knew you could. I knew that, but I, I was afraid of the work because I wasn't gifted with brains. I wasn't gifted with God-given talent as far as like athleticism. So I knew to get to where I had to go, to be on the same playing field as these men, to even try out for this program, I knew the work was going to be something that I didn't want to even, even attack. So I was just putting it off. But yet you did it. Because it haunted me. Okay. The voice in my head said, you know what, man? You're going to die never even trying to reach your full potential. And how's that going to feel? So I'm going I'm to live even while I'm dead. I'm going to be because I believe in a higher power, whatever it may be. I don't know what it is. I believe that your mind lives forever. Some spirit, some, something lives forever. I'm going to be haunted by the mere fact that I literally just, that's what I was. You wasted that life. That's what I was, man. And you look back and here lies David Goggins, a punk. That's it. Right. And I get to live. So whatever heaven or hell is, you're in hell the rest of your life. The rest of your life. And if there is a God, which I hope to God there is, 
knowing what I put myself through now, whatever memories I have, if there's any at all, I'll be a happy man. But I knew that I was going to pay for this while I was living or while I was dead. I was going to pay for this. Because basically, to me, it was a huge sin. I'm basically just going to sit here and just be a comfortable man and that not even try. Wasting your life is a sin, it's right? It's a sin. It is. I'm not even going to try. You said that the one thing that always bothered you was when you died someday, if you meet your maker, that he would pull out a list and say, no, 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 no. You were supposed to be this badass mother. Right. And instead, you turned into this cockroach slinging, right. you know, fruity pebble eating mother. Yeah. So, and, that, um, and like you said, you almost have to live with that for eternity. Somehow. Right. I developed a reality that wasn't real. That's the thing we always do. We can have a great life. But we always build this reality around the one thing we don't have. So therefore, our great life, we don't even see it. We see the one piece of clothing we weren't able to get versus the amazing things we have. So we focus on that. I was the king of focusing on the one bad thing in my life. The one bad person called me. The, everything bad, I focused on that. But over here was a beautiful reality of my life. Even though I came from nothing, where I could have taken my mind for the possibilities of where I can go if I work harder, that was all over here. But I lived in the filth over here. So basically, what I started doing was when I was 297, I thought about, my God, man, like this could be my life. And I thought, okay, what, what does heaven look like? I don't know. No one does, I imagine. So I was like, okay. I imagine that there's a big long line and you got judgment and you're God. Let's say you're God and I'm just David Goggins. Big long line and you're talking to Jane, Jane Doe. Jane Doe goes by and behind you is a big whiteboard. And the whiteboard has like uh, just a piece of paper and you pull it down. The next person in line is David Goggins. And on this board, it has all this stuff on it. But I can't see because I'm too far back in line. So I come up, I sit down now, you're talking to me. David, congratulations, you made it to heaven, how you feel? And right now I'm 300 pound man, Ecolab guy, I'm 71 years old. This is what I'm thinking at 24 years old, okay? I'm dead, I'm in heaven, you're God. You pull the paper down, it says David Goggins, I'm reading it. And I'm looking at it, and it has my name, but on this paper it says everything about you. Everything, because God knows all. And I'm looking at it, and I'm seeing 180. 85 pounds, Navy SEAL, changed people's lives, all these amazing things. Public speaker, blah, 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 motivational, all the best-selling book. I look at God and say, God, you, the name is right, but what's on here is not me. He goes, it should have been you. This was the life that you were supposed to live, but you didn't try. So this is the life that you have. So what I think to myself is, are you in heaven? Am I talking to God or am I talking to the devil? Because I'm in hell now to see that that was supposed to be my life. But because I didn't try hard enough, because I didn't put forth every single bit of an ounce of pressure in my body into being better. They ended up being a 300 pound guy that made $1,000 a month and I was fine there. That was okay. So that's how my mind works. It works that way to see where is this going to take me? What's the possibility? So 
we're all in a battle with our own brains. That's all life. That's it's, all life is. It's the most powerful thing in the world. Is your own brain. It can work for you or against you. And when did you start to realize that the visualization could work for you? And as, as opposed to focusing on all those bad things that happened, all the things you didn't have, the people that called you names, all the stuff in Brazil, Indiana, and you start thinking, wait a second, I just visualized this, and now I can take it to the next level, next level. Because the visualization got you through the SEAL training, I think. It did. And I was able to visualize the end. So, so before, so when I was 297, and I was all fat and out of shape, and I couldn't run a quarter mile, and I was drinking milkshakes and eating boxes of donuts, I visualized, man, how would it feel? So after I watched that show on Discovery Channel, for a brief moment, I was, so there was 22 guys that graduated. I watched this segment on TV about these guys going through Navy SEAL training. And I couldn't even, I, I wasn't a great swimmer. I was afraid of the water, all this crap, man. And um, I saw these guys just quitting. But at the very end, it says 22 guys, this commanding officer's up there and he gives this great speech. I was like, man, I wonder. So I started visualizing me being the 23rd guy in these dress whites, sitting there with these guys, getting that Navy SEAL, you know, graduating this Navy SEAL training. I was like, God. So I put myself there. I was like, man, that's, that's an amazing feeling. I put myself there at 297, not even able to do anything that these great men were doing. I said, man, if I could feel that, that would change my life. If I could just feel that one, it's, it, it lasts for one second. You get that certificate, you walk across the stage, and what's next? But I didn't know that then. My mind wasn't, I thought I'd live in that moment forever. So I said, wow, man, if I could just feel like them, if and, I could feel like them. And what was that feeling you wanted so bad? Respect, accomplishment? No. Victory. I wanted to win. Not like beat somebody else. It wasn't about that. I, I, I just wanted to go the distance. Everything in my life, when something got hard, I quit. Like, man, if I could just go that distance, that extra mile, to just go, just to finish. I want to finish. I want to feel victory. And victory for me wasn't winning, it was just finishing. So I said, you know what? If I could feel like these guys feel, it would change my life. But what I realized, the best feeling I had was when I was by myself trying to lose this weight. I had, I had to lose it in literally less than three months. 106 pounds in less than three months. And literally, I started feeling victory just by putting myself in the battle. Do I ever feel like Sisyphus? Of course I do. I mean, I, I do. And I'll tell you, I've, I've thought about this and I've been waiting for people to start saying like, oh, you put another picture of the sweat and of a squat rack. Really? But I don't know if they understand. <laughs> I've been getting on that squat rack and grinding it out for 25 years. And I'm not bored with it yet. And it, it, it might seem like that's an unwinnable battle. But really to me, it's not about winning. 
It's the battle itself. It's the struggle. It's the daily test. That's what life's about. Not just physically, but mentally. Getting that rock to the top of the mountain. That's not what my goal is. My goal actually is pushing the rock. Because pushing the rock, that pushes me. That makes me tougher. That makes me harder mentally and physically. It it gives me much more than I give it. I want to struggle. I want to grind and claw and scratch and I want to dig in and I want to push. And I don't want it to end. If I ever got the rock to the top of the mountain and it stayed there, I'd push it back down myself. I don't want to rest and I don't want to coast. And I don't want to reach a point in my life where I say, that's it. I've done enough. I'm not going to give anymore. I'm not going to push anymore. No. No. That relentless cycle of day-to-day challenges, they aren't maddening to me. They don't frustrate me. They inspire me. Inspire me to drive and push more and to push harder. That's what that rock does to me. So I say, dig in and get to pushing. I don't think you need to be tough versus smart. I don't think it needs to be tough or smart. I think you need to be tough and smart. I don't think those two traits are mutually exclusive at all. And being tough and being smart is actually what we want. (laughs) We, you know, so when we think of tough, I think we think of using, for instance, using blunt force to solve a problem. Right. And, and you might think that using blunt force to solve a problem is stupid. And at the same time, you might think that stepping back from a problem and taking a look or stepping back away from it might be giving up. So you're weak. Or you're not tough. But there are times when those options are the best options. There's sometimes when blunt force is the best option. And you just got to power through and you got to be tough and you got to get over the hurdle or over the obstacle or through the obstacle through blunt force trauma. And there's other times where the best possible thing you could do is step back and quit beating your head against the wall and trying to blunt force through something. You want to step back and find another way. You want to be smarter, not harder. And I think, again, this comes out to balance. And people pushing when it's a good time to push and a good time to be tough. And at the same time, knowing that you need to balance that with being smart. And the only way you're going to be able to do that 
the only way you're going to be able to figure out if you're just being too smart or not smart enough or too tough or not tough enough is to be able to detach and step back and look and see assess the situation if you get too in the weeds on it you won't be able to see that hey you've beat your head against the wall 47 times that's enough stop step back and find another way just like if you're so engrossed in solving the problem and finding the perfect solution and finding the least impact wave through the smartest resolution you don't if you don't step back from that you might not see that if you wait any longer on your brilliant plan you're going to be overrun by the problem itself so being smart and being tough are not mutually exclusive you need to be both and the way that you balance them is by stepping back detaching and doing always doing an assessment of what's happening life isn't meant for you to always be happy it's meant for you to go through things it's meant for you to evolve and elevate yourself as a person things that happen bad in your life are not who you are it's the reaction to those bad things that really makes you who you are can you be relied upon in a crisis when things don't look good who are you inside really Yes, there are things in life that will have you down, may have you stressed and depressed, but don't let them keep you there. Those are the moments who make us really who we are. You have to see the life that you want. You have to believe that you can be something that you're not right now. You can be better. You can do better. No, you may have not made the best decisions in life, but you can't live in regret. Pain isn't always bad. Sometimes it's good. Because you remember that pain and that hurt. And it pushes you to be great. There's times where you think, is there anything that can justify as to why I'm always going through something hard? Sometimes nothing ever makes sense that you're going through. I'm going through hurt. I'm going through pain. There's death in my family. There's sickness everywhere. But I tell you what. You can't throw in the towel. You can't give up. It just means it's time for you to fight harder. It's time for you to stand taller. Lift your head to the sky and say, I will overcome this. I will fight back. There's always something good that can come from bad. Why would you live a life with a negative mindset, with a negative attitude, when this life is great and you can become someone great just by the way you think, act, or react to things that happen to you? Everybody fundamentally has the same reality that you have, but we all don't react the same to things that happen to us. Deep down inside, there's greatness in each and every one of us. It depends on you if you find that greatness. But I tell you what, it's inside of you and it's burning to come out.